All right, welcome back, everyone, to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brother Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Craig. Michigan coming off its first top 10 win since 2008. Uh, ironically, also against Wisconsin. Uh, but here, Michigan is finding itself in a good place after five weeks of football. But before we get into the breakdown of the game and the recap episode, uh, we'll do a little intro here. A little conversation, actually, about the game. Probably about the highlight of the game, the most spectacular play of the game that has been talked about a lot after the game finished, and that was Luce's interception, and what an athletic play that was. Yeah, it's, it was so good that they're making t-shirts and making money off it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's they're another like, story entirely. I mean, the, t- the Twitter, obviously, you know where I'm coming from on that, but geez, so Pete's, you know, if anybody doesn't know, they just, they took the silhouette of Jordan Lewis making that catch, and it just looked awfully like a Jordan-esque Air Jordan silhouette, uh, his basketball look, and then made a Jordan Lewis, which is pretty clever, and I thought it was really cool, but yeah, I mean, when you're using Jordan's name, uh, Jordan Lewis, that is, and that that, and you're getting money from it. I'm not exactly sure I am down for that, but oh well. I guess Jordan Lewis liked it. Yeah, and that that story seems to be ever evolving, and so who knows where it is at this point. But yeah, that was a spectacular catch, Caleb. I mean, the very fact is, I mean, we're talking about a guy that was totally laid out, almost uh, horizontally. Um, horizontally vertically a little bit or at an angle and just laid out he must have at least went 10 yards in the air and to shift his body and shift his arm to literally at the very peak of that ball to catch it with one hand that's the only way he could have caught that ball he could have not have caught it with two hands like you said Uh, if you actually look at it and you said if he could moved his shoulder the other way and caught it with two hands he wouldn't have and that's why he went with one hand. And to, the very fact is actually to do that within a split second in the air shows you how good Jordan Lewis is and how we're incredibly blessed to have him as a Michigan Wolverine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just spectacular. I mean, it was one of those shocking moments where you just can't believe it happened. And people have been comparing it to the Woodson interception. Uh, both of them fantastic, and we're not really going to uh, have the long, in-depth discussion of uh, which one was better necessarily right now. But uh, the the thing that makes both of them so great is how unexpected they were. Uh, Jordan's maybe having uh, more of a wow factor of it helping to close out the game, but his, like you were saying, is more of the length that he was in the air and how he basically went horizontal to the ground to make the catch and then Woodson was just so vertical and athletic jumping in the air to get his yeah. uh and they were just basically throwing the ball away and uh the unexpected outcome from that one so both of them miraculous uh Jordan Lewis heck of an athlete I mean we've got him we've got Stribling we've got Peppers lots of stuff going on with the defense and actually I don't want to get into it I uh, yeah, but we will definitely be talking about them plenty in this episode. Yeah, and you know, Lewis, it's a tough one. Like you were saying, with um, having um, Woodson and his catch, that even though that was just absolutely amazing, 
it, it's different. It was a different kind of catch because the very fact is Lewis's catch wasn't game changing in a way. He caught it, obviously, but he could have batted it down and we would have had the ball at the what seven yard line or wherever we were. But um, um, so that it, it wasn't like it was a third down play or a second down play. It was um, a fourth down play and they had to go for it and do something. But uh you know, the very fact is he, in a way, it's almost like Jordan Lewis said, not only am I, I can bat it down, I'm going to catch it. <laughs> Just to yeah. show the fans, hey, guess what? This is who I am. I'm Jordan Lewis. I'm the best corner. I'm the best defensive back in the country. And here I am, and you better watch out. It's almost like a, a statement to the, the NCAA and all the college football teams out there. Yeah, well, the receiver had something to say about it on Twitter, and yeah, Jordan fired back. I don't have that in front of me, but Jordan was not. It's I kind of missed that, but he said. I yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but oh well. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, the Wisconsin receiver put a picture, and Lewis's hand is kind of around the back of the receiver, oh, okay. um, a little bit when they're still. I don't know if they're. In the air, it's hard to tell from the picture that I'm seeing if they're in the area or what's going on. But he just said, "I'm going to leave this right here." And then Jordan Lewis fired back, "Boy, it was no way you World was <laughs> you was going to catch it. Just be happy you were on ESPN. Plus, the game was over." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that that lit up. Yeah, but yeah. So a spectacular moment, one of those moments that you know that people are going to talk about for a long time, and you're gonna you're gonna see video clips of that a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. So don't uh, don't think that's going anywhere. Nope. It's definitely one of those statement um, games that Michigan seems to have every year. That that one play that seems to stand out throughout the whole year. So that was one. So. Yep, for sure. So uh, we'll go ahead and transition here, and we will get going on the breakdown and the recap of Michigan's win against number eight Wisconsin. Okay, well, it's this part of the episode that we've been doing weekly where we actually get to announce the winner of the Caption of the Week from the previous week. And so the image being the Penn State defensive player for some reason trying to shush the crowd after uh, making a defensive play while Penn State was down 28-3. to We thought that was pretty comical, and we put it up there. And actually... One of our listeners knocked it out of the park with the first response. I think it was the first response to any, I mean, like, it's all over the place. It's on Facebook, Twitter, and our website and all over the place. But I think the very first caption given to us, I think this was it. And it just really uh, knocked out of the park. Logan Ruan came up with a good one with saying, when someone brings up Jerry Sandusky. (laughs) Because we all know that that happens way too much. And just, you know, that that thing should have been taken care of and we shouldn't have to have been hearing about this as long as we have. And it's just been ridiculous. So I I thought that was hilarious. It cracked me up when, when I read that one. So congratulations, Logan, getting that. Yeah. And I'm not being biased because you know, he is my cousin. So just shout out. He is a cousin, (laughs) but I thought it was funny. He's a very clever kid. So yeah, I was going to say, you got to have the pride of having uh, somebody creative in your family. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Even the very, uh, even it was very clever. The very fact is this this uh, year they did do the what um, some kind of celebration of Joe Pa or something like that. Of yeah, you know, so which which we thought was just probably very inappropriate because given just all the stuff going on there. But anyways, uh, yeah, congrats to Logan. A lot of them were very very funny, but that one was right out of the gate and. I made me laugh quite a bit, so perfect. Yeah, that was a good one. And so he'll be going into the drawing, and we will be doing that at the end of the season. So, Craig, I will uh, let you start with the recap and the review of the game, um, and I'll let you decide if you want to talk because it was a good outcome. But as with pretty much every game, you're going to have the good, the bad, and kind of what we've been saying, there was also the ugly with this game. So I'll let you start with uh, breaking down the game, whichever direction you choose to begin with, on Michigan's win against Wisconsin, 14-7. Well, let's get into, I, I want to talk about the good. Let's talk, you know, obviously, I feel like there's a lot of good in this game. And we'll talk about the bad, and we'll obviously get to that later, but... <clears throat> The good is how incredibly good this uh, Michigan uh, defense is, and not just good, but one of the best in the country. Uh, and we are so uh, – you basically – this kind of goes out to all the teams. You're almost guaranteed not going to be able to run on Michigan. <laughs> You're not going to – as much as Wisconsin tried to do that and they tried to establish a running game, I mean, they – they, it didn't go very well with, for them, and they had, um, what, I think Clement had 19 yards on one carry, and that was his longest one, and the rest he totaled for only the rest of the teams totaled 49 yards. So 49 yards total, and they averaged 2.5 carries, um, uh, average uh, yards per carry. So, And that just tells you we shut them down, and they went four for 15 on third downs. So and you went up against the best team in the country on third downs in Michigan, and you're just not going to run on us. Glasgow was amazing. That's why he is one of the best in the country. That's why he's amazing. Um, but our defense, our secondary, did great. Uh, if you thought Lewis was good, boy, Stribling was even better. <laughs> they yeah. got balled all game man he was on the ball every he was at the right point and he just was incredible and i think a lot of teams tried to throw it away from lewis and stribbling goes well you know what i got game too and he really he was probably one of the best players on the and on the team he saved us a lot of times with these wisconsin runs and wow he did great uh but this defense was great and i'm just um, it's great to see a defense like a Michigan again, like the old defense like we used to have. And you've said this too, Caleb, quite a bit uh, in our podcast before, even last year, that defenses win championships. And I like that about what you said because it's absolutely the truth. Because you watch some of these other games, you got uh, Louisville against uh, um uh, Clemson is like all offense, hardly any defense at all. And you know what? And it, it, the outcome you just don't know. But when you have a really good stout defense, it really gets, keeps you in games. And Wisconsin has that too, and you could see that in this game, and it was back and forth. So props to defense, man. They were awesome. For sure. The defense is the highlight of this game. I mean, both both teams actually, because this is the most – 
legit defense that Michigan has faced so far. I mean, uh, there were the troubles with UCF. Colorado is looking to be more credible as they're now ranked in the top 25. I can't remember exactly where they are, but yeah, this was the best defense Michigan has gone up against. And Michigan, while the scoreboard doesn't show it, Michigan accomplished more than anybody else was, uh, was able to. Right. Because they put up 349 yards. The next closest team uh, to put up any yards was uh, Michigan State, 325. They only put up six points against Wisconsin. I mean, so it's not like uh, we yeah. tore them apart with yards and everything, but we were able to find our success against them and still get some points and also miss some points. We'll get to that later. But, yeah, the our defense – really shut them down really well and it was great to see and um i i kind of feel like i'm going all over the place with this because i want to touch on so many points yes hornybrook is a freshman quarterback but you have to remember that last week he was playing against msu and yeah msu isn't gonna uh isn't the top defense as they have been in past years but defense is one of their better uh strong suits he was able to put up 195 passing yards at msu last week yeah and then wisconsin rolls into ann arbor plays michigan and only gets 159 yards total right against yeah. the michigan defense and you have to think about this is their one uh pass for a touchdown it kind of came off of you know it was a nice little dime pass to uh the receiver it was a really well thrown ball but you have to look at is that drive that they had that they got the touchdown with was all due because of uh, spate through that interception you know yep. through the quadruple coverage so if he didn't throw that you know who knows if we wisconsin would have even scored so that tells you how good the defense was doing at that time of shutting it down and you know it, and i think i said this before is the defense was so spectacular they were bailing this offense up offense out so many times and you know a lot of times i've I've said this even last year quite a bit you know that uh even the most stout defenses can only last so long that you're gonna have to start scoring something here and um they really i think they played the entire game pretty incredible and that's really tough to do usually you got defenses that'll play for three three quarters really good or three and a half quarters really really good and then they kind of let up or they just kind of you know you know have to get their win back or something but uh they were from beginning to end really keeping us in the game yeah and that was the thing too where i mentioned i was just like wait until the fourth quarter yeah i mean i know that it was a close game and so it was still stressful and everything but our defense was tight and they they had that game they controlled it and that's right the only time that Wisconsin scored was because of that interception. Wisconsin started that drive on the Michigan 31. Yeah. That's where they started because of that interception. Yeah. That was the only time they got past the Michigan 35. Right. That was the yeah. only time they got past the 35. So the Michigan defense locked it down, kept them from going past the 35 for the entire game except for due to an offensive turnover that resulted in the only touchdown for right. Wisconsin. And we mentioned this last time. It was going to come down to a field position battle and uh, you know how short the field was going to be in everything. Interestingly enough, 
the two touchdowns for Michigan, th- there's there's good and bad to take with this, which uh, I find interesting. Michigan's touchdowns came when they their drive started on Michigan 23 and the Michigan 36. They went all the way down the field and scored touchdowns on that. But then there were four times that Michigan started in Wisconsin territory. Yeah. Um, from uh, punt returns or turnovers and things like that. And they got zero points off those four possessions. They had a missed field goal. They had two punts. And then the other time was the end of the game. Right. Yep. So yeah, exactly. that there's, there's good to see with that from the standpoint of, hey, we took the best defense we faced and our team was able to go down basically the full length of the field, especially if, from starting at the 23-yard line, and score a touchdown. That's great. But then you look at the other ones where it's just like we are starting at the Wisconsin 39 and we can't even get three points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on. No, man. And it was, you know, firestorm and <laughs> we'll get to that very much here soon. But yeah, the defense was really good off the, off the edge. They did great. Um, <clears throat> all our, Locking one of the biggest things I think we were always worried about is our linebackers and then stuffing the run and doing that. But our linebacking crew did great. We were always worried about that. Um, but they did so well in stopping the run that you know they said, Hey, guess what? We're gonna take Hornerbrook and we're gonna say, Hey, you're gonna this kid's gonna have to win it. He's a freshman, he's gonna have to win it for him. And you know, and this is the battle tested, this kid's gonna have to take it you know, from Michigan, one of the best defenses in the country. And he was rattled. We had him rattled quite a bit to the point to where if any seasoned quarterback, let's say a sophomore junior was in that position, I got a feeling Michigan would have lost this game because of the very fact is there are a few overthrown balls that Hornibrook had. He had wide open, a couple wide open receivers for touchdowns and he overthrew them. Those are the ones I start going, okay, you know what? That's concerning to me because they did blitz on those and it rattled them. And that's where you, that's where obviously the overthrown balls come from. But, uh, uh, thank God they, he overthrew them and thank God that he was just a freshman and, um, first year of this. So, yeah, well, to share a few other things about the defense before we move on, I want to try to keep all the defense kind of talk clumped together if I can hopefully I'm not going to miss anything here but we, we've talked about this because uh, there were problems at the beginning of the year and I know that Wisconsin wasn't the best offense we were facing but Michigan's defense had question marks about allowing the big plays mm-hmm. and uh, this was a great game for them about shutting down the offense because their two biggest plays their longest run that they had was 19 yards. Yep. And then their longest reception was 24 yards. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is really, you're going to have some of those. Those aren't really big plays. No. So, um, I mean, especially when you kind of turn the tables on everything and then you look at what Michigan was able to accomplish, their longest run wasn't anything too uh, crazy beyond that. It was 22 yards. Yeah. But, their, right. but the longest reception for Michigan was 46 so I right. mean that right. that right there that's allowing a big play. You but... take that one run; it's almost half their uh, total yards they did on the run. So you take that one twenty, you know, that nineteen yard run that Clement did; it's almost you know half their running yardage. So I mean that tells you how how much we stuffed them, and you know to, to, to hold a team 
that's predicated on the running uh, to you know to 2.5 yards a carry is pretty incredible. So we stuffed we stuffed them and did great, and we actually put all the onus on the quarterback and we rattled them. So we hit them pretty good. So it was a good game by the defense. Talked about the good, the great of the defense and everything, and there was some good offense, but mostly to take away and to kind of converse on is the bad of the offense. Yeah. So, well, if you want me to go, go or you can go, that's cool. Oh, uh, well, yeah, you can go ahead and get started on it. Uh, I'll let you, I'll go bounce off of what you're going with. I will say the good parts of the offensive line. Um, and, you know, obviously there's some, there's concerns and I'll get to that. But uh, some of the, the great things is, I think one of the things is we need to get to is is getting I don't know if the coaching staff or who's making the calls for for this but I really think you know sometimes you got to ride your hot hand at times and there's times where you got to say hey you know what in order to win this game there's always a certain player that seems to have the hot hand and we need to start feeding them the ball and that was Ty Isaac that guy played great he ran to the outside quite a bit he had some good cut moves and he was determined to get those yards and he did really really well and i was almost to a point i think in the third or fourth quarter i said why aren't why are we going away from giving him the ball give him the ball again and they kind of went away from him a little bit and i went if we want to steal this game away Give Ty Isaac the ball. He's the one that seems to be getting it done. He's the one that was running the best. He was running better than Devion Smith was. He was running better than um, um, Evans. And I don't know why even Higdon wasn't in there. He went, I don't think he played a snap in the game. But uh, Ty Isaac was one of the great things. But um, there are offensive line issues, I think, Probably because of the very fact is now we lost one of our players in Grant Newsom. He's out for the season, and that's uh, I think he hurt his knee um, pretty bad. So um, we're going to have offensive line issues. But uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the things we're going to have a tough time doing is running between the tackles now. So what are your some of the things you want to say about it? Well, I'll definitely agree that there were some great things that were seen on the running side of the ball. Uh, some really good blocking um, for the offensive line, actually. Uh, there was actually one, I can't remember who. I mean, it's unfortunate with Newsom and everything. Uh, but there was uh, one play that somebody highlighted on line, and I can't remember the name, so I'm not going to even try in case I mess it up. But one of the offensive linemen was able to block right. two defensive players with one block because mm-hmm. he pushed his... Uh, defender into another defender to open up a bigger hole for the running backs. So I think the running uh, blocking game is actually getting better uh, now with Newsom and everything. I don't know how much that's going to change. It's really unfortunate about that, but on the good side of things is that we have several weeks before we face another big opponent. And so uh, they talked about it in the presser today that they're going to be moving some people around on the offensive line to find the best fit for people. They don't have, obviously, yet um, a set decision with it. Mm -hmm. But there is time for those changes to be made. Um, There aren't the huge games coming up for a little while. Like we said, we have one road game and then we have a bye week. So that's going to help as well. 
I'm hoping that gives it time to work it out because Newsom, yeah, is definitely not coming back this year. Right. I mean, they said that was really bad. They're they don't have any information on if it could be anything as far as career ending because um, it's so early. But they did say that for a knee injury, it is one of the worst. So yeah, hope he gets better. Yeah, for sure. So kind of the running game and everything. Um, at the beginning, it was kind of interesting because well, there was a decent amount of success passing. Yeah, He was making completions to uh, Darbo and to Perrion's butt. Then, um, and also at the beginning, Spate did a fantastic job. I don't even know how he really did it, where he got rushed and it looked like he was getting sacked that, and somehow yeah. he <laughs> was able to scramble out and maybe even get a yard from that. But... Now I'm going to transition into the not into the, some of the bad stuff and everything, and <laughs> it, it's going to revolve around Spate. But I don't think I'm going to say as many bad things as I've heard people saying. Right. And that is that yes, Spate did not have a great game. Uh, Spate did all right. He did have the one turnover. He actually easily could have had more than one uh, turnover, but uh, fortunately for him, he didn't. He one thing that I if you had to boil it down to one word, it's inconsistency. Right. Because he has shown what he is capable of, but and obviously so when facing the two best defenses that we face so far, Wisconsin and in my opinion Colorado, he has shown some inconsistency in his decision making he will stare down receivers he will not um go through his progressions of you know okay my first option is that there no my second option is that there no he uh he sometimes doesn't do that and then also he makes poor decisions passing like with his interception he should not have thrown that ball there were other times too where he threw it either into bad placement where it wasn't good for the receiver or uh the defender could have even possibly picked it off or he threw it into double triple coverage yeah he did on that play he did he threw it right down the middle and um into um quadruple coverage so and that caused the interception that was a bad throw and you know and, and there's often times where he throws balls downfield i call him you know he's got the arm we know he's got he's got a strong arm he's really good at it but he almost has too much touch to it or soft throws you know to a point to where the, by the time we get there, they're either overthrown or they're too short. You know, there's something off that he needs to really step into those throws and get them downfield uh, quickly and have, you know, confident throws and not these kind of soft, you got a little bit of air to them. And, you know, and that's what worries me about him is, like you said, he stares down who he's going to throw to instead of saying, hey, you know what, go through my progressions. Let's go to, you know, Darbo, but my main guys and then look for Perry at that time where I'm always saying, you know, where's your slot guy? I'm always wondering where, how (laughs) Perry is. Like you said, he used them in the beginning and then they go away from it. And I don't understand that. Those are the guys that bail you out, you know, give you those five to 10 yards if you need them. And, uh, he certainly doesn't do that. But, um, there are times when I see him, when he gets sacked, he gets rattled. He's really good at not getting sacked and getting out of, uh, tough predicaments he's really good at it and i often go oh he's gonna get nailed and somehow he gets out he squeaks through there but um he doesn't make too many mistakes but like you said you know when i think when he does get sacked he feels like it kind of looks like he gets uh rattled and so that's a little bit concerning to me 
because how big he is and tall. So we'll see. To kind of go into the quarterback talk a little bit more, I still think that Spate does a decent job. Um, I mean, it could always be worse. I think he's done pretty well managing things, but he is inconsistent. Like I said, that's probably really what I'm yeah. going to point out. Um, interestingly enough, since we're doing the show, we're recording this later than we normally do. I got into some discussions with people today and uh, some people were very adamant about seeing O'Corn go in because they don't uh, think Spate is doing a good enough job. With that, I will I will openly admit and say it now, and I mean you can go back and listen. I did, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Craig agreed uh, as well that probably about this time last year we had big questions about Rudock, or maybe it was four games, yeah. not five. But we had big questions about Rudock and concerns, and we were saying, hey, you know, where we are in the season, what's the harm in putting Spate in to start a game? It's either going to give Spay an opportunity to prove himself, or maybe it'll motivate Rudock to, you know, get his act together. Right. The problem, um, the, the reason why I go back to that and, and not taking issue, having said that Rudock was almost a turnover machine yeah. and his fourth or fifth game was terrible, uh, was terrible statistically. So he, there were huge concerns with Spate, it's different because, yes, there are issues and concerns, but there he, he's only had two interceptions and one fumble. And really with the fumble, you can't do much about that because nobody blocked the defender and he just got nailed with that. So really it's two interceptions. And honestly, he's been pretty good managing things. He knows when to throw it away. You bring that up, Craig, where we've had quarterbacks in the past that haven't been doing that. <laughs> yep. But, yes, he is inconsistent. It is not to the point, though, that I think that we need to worry about putting in a new quarterback. What should ho ha hopefully happen over the next couple of weeks is that he will get better. That's one thing that needs to happen. He needs to progress. He needs to get better. So hopefully over the next few games when we're playing – not as tough of opponents, he will get that opportunity to get better. But then also that will give opportunity for hopefully us to get up by a lot of scores and then put in O'Corn so that he gets in there and stays on top of his game as well if we do need to go to him. But this is not at all the time that I say that we would need to switch right. O'Corn in for Spate. No, I'm with you. I don't think we should at all. I think there are time, you know, there are some things that he needs to practice on that maybe the coaches are saying, hey, you know what? He has the tendency to, um, <clears throat> it looks like he's has a tough time throwing the long ball. And, you know, and there's time, you know, Rudolph did the same thing where it didn't feel like he was on the pa same page as Chesson and, uh, at all. And then once he got comfortable with throwing it and getting that touch that he needs, to, I guess that how fast Chesson runs and how quickly he can get the ball out. And when once you marry those two together, you can actually – it's very effective. And obviously Chesson was an incredible receiver last year. And, you know, he's kind of down this year because of the very fact his quarterback's different. So um, – but if Spade can kind of nail down, hey, you know what? If I can get my timing right with how, how fast Darbo runs and Chesson and go, he go, you know, if he says Darbo is a little bit slower, maybe I can throw not as hard, 
but chestnut throw a little bit hard. That's what you work on at practice. Those are the kind of things you need to work on on the deep ball. Now, he does great with the slants and things like that with him. That's fine. But what I'm talking about is the long, deep ball that I uh, feel like he struggles with. And those are the times where the defense will move up and say, hey, this guy doesn't have it. He's way off. His accuracy is off. And then you start seeing the coverage move up. Uh, what the 10, 15 yards, and they just realize that he's going to dink and dunk and do check downs and things like that. And that's why I'm worried about him going, hey, man, you're going to have to – I even tweet about sometimes you're going to have to start throwing the deep ball. Even if it doesn't you know, hit anybody, you're going to have to start throwing it because the very fact is you want to get that coverage spread out and pulled back more because that way we, we're able to run and at least get it to the tight ends if you can. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has shown that he is capable of the deep yeah, ball. Darbo, yeah, that Darbo throw was great. It was a great, beautiful throw. Yeah, and we need more of that. But exactly. uh, that's kind of the thing, though, too, is where uh, I don't know this, but it comes across to me that some people are wanting more of that flashy football play where let's burn them deep. And if you can, go for it. But if you can beat them doing these little dink passes and running and uh, slowly getting first downs and progressing of the field. There's nothing wrong with that. Part of the good thing with that too, and not burning uh, their defense all the time and everything is you get to give your defense more rest. The longer you keep their defense on the field, the better for your defense. So you need to consider that as well. One thing that um, I, with talking with people about Spano corn and everything that I kind of want to bring up and mention is, um, a lot of people were really high on O'Corn coming in. I mean, I was high on, uh, I think we both were kind of with him coming in. Um, I don't have any, he played 2013 for Houston and then he got replaced in 2014 after a few games. Obviously he got replaced for a reason. And obviously with the expert that Harbaugh is at the quarterback position, I'm trusting him and the coaches on making the right decision and them knowing what they're doing. So with that also said, I just do want to point out something here just to throw some numbers out there for people to kind of get an idea around. When he started five games for Houston in 2014, they played UTSA. Yes, that is UTSA, whatever (laughs) that stands for. And his completion percentage was 48%. They played Grambling State, and his completion percentage was 58%. They played BYU, his completion percentage was 57 They played UNLV, and their completion percentage was 44%. And against UCF, his completion percent was 46 Saying that, yeah, Spate's that's... lowest completion percentage this year has been 53% against a viable defense who that is now ranked in the top 25, Colorado. I am quite certain, except for maybe UCF. No, UCF had a terrible year in 2014, or was it? No, that was 2015. I know that. Yep. At least three of those teams were never in the top 25 that year. But then also uh, all the other games for Spate this year, other than the Colorado game, his completion percentage has not dropped below 60 percent. So, and and you know the competition that he's been playing against has been better than. Mm the teams I just named off there for Houston. So just something to think about. I'm not like ripping people for saying, uh, why not try O'Corn? Cause like I said, last year I was saying, why not try spate? But that's just kind of breaking it down and looking at, you know, I mean, 
we don't have Brady Hoke as a head coach anymore. We have Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, didn't you say O'Corn had a tendency even often to uh, – we were watching some of the off-season games or practice and stuff, and the very fact is him – he would run quite a bit. Like any time he'd hike it, he'd run. Like that was his tendency to – you know, read option or just not even think about passing. He was like running with the ball. I even think he did it in a few of the games that we were winning by a big, he'd, he'd hike it and he'd just go ahead and start running. And I'm not sure that's what Jim Harbaugh wants in a, in a, in a pro style quarterback. And so, yeah, that's, that's an interesting. Those are really interesting stats that you threw out there because I don't think a lot of people know. I think they, what they do is they look at Spate and they say, wow, he averaged 6.8 yards, uh, per attempt, and he went 20 for 32 this game, and that's not very good. Well, no, it's not great, but it's decent. It's enough that he won the game. He made a great throw to Amara Darbo, um, just a beautiful pass to him for the game-winning touchdown, and that's what we did, and we were able to um, – we know the offense – offensive line and we know the offense needs help needs a little bit of help there but um i'm sure those guys will get this this thing going so yeah it's kind of crazy to think that our offense that has been averaging i think now it's 44 points a game or somewhere around there is it has concerns yeah what are your thoughts on on ty isaac i mean what what i said earlier what do you I think, yeah, that he really showed himself for a great game uh, this week. And that's the thing where it's just with this unit of running backs, we are going to have specific games where somebody is going to be the highlight player. Evans was the highlight player against Hawaii. Smith was the highlight player against Penn State. And Isaac was the highlight running back against Wisconsin. Right. Um, maybe the numbers aren't insane. I mean, I know Evans had nice numbers against Hawaii. Isaac's <clears throat> numbers weren't necessarily insane, but he was the workhorse. He got it done. So that's where you're going to see week in and week out. There's going to be a different running back all the time um, yep. doing great things for the team. So, Well, you know, the thing was is is Wisconsin came in, into this game with a great, great game plan. And, and it might have sh- they might have shown their card to all the other teams, and I and I don't know if Michigan fans want to hear this, but um, Wisconsin did a great job by not kicking to Jabril Peppers. I mean, they were determined not to kick to him, and that was very smart. <laughs> I mean, to do that, they knew that the guy is the best in the country. He is the best punt returner in the country, and he makes a big impact on. Um, on us and he gets us always in great field position and they uh wisconsin uh coaches did a great job and the kicker did a great job of getting it away from him so yeah what's going to be great though is they've talked about putting two returners back there maybe but even more than that is not everybody's going to have the best punters so when they try to kick (laughs) out of bounds they're going to shank it sometimes (laughs) it's true they might yeah and that's the tough part is it might shank it might only go 20 yards you never know but yeah obviously they didn't kick to him and that was deliberate and they had a good kicker or punter and that was pretty understandable so (laughs) yeah well um so speaking should we get the bad yeah well the ugly uh you you brought it up you brought up special teams so i i think do we have to talk about this Yes, we do, because I think it actually might create a new segment for us, and 
It's the real talk moment. <laughs> it's time to get real, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's and the we real moment. I know. And the and the real talk topic for this week is our kicking game sucks. <laughs> 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 Sorry, uh, Alan. No, I mean if you listen to this, it's just... you do you do a great job at punting. I mean, I know that you, everybody has their mix ups, and I'm not going to even bring up the things the mistakes have happened. But field goal has dropped off for Kenny Allen, and we have no answer right now. You know, it reminds me of two, th- 2010 when our remember our kickers went what four for 14 and field goal attempts. And we were red dreadful. That's what it reminds me of, that we were really bad that year. That's what this reminds me of, where we had nobody that could kick, the, kick a field goal to save their lives. And this is just, I, I don't know. I think that part of me thinks, you know, Allen is very, very good. <laughs> He's a very good punter. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Like, every time he punted, it, he redeemed himself. But... He's something's going on with him. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just got too much on his plate that maybe he could just focus on punting. And then obviously they bring in the the new guy ties to do his, you know, yeah. uh, kicking and he comes in and he shanks it and doesn't do very well. And he missed from 40 yards. So it's just like 40 yards. We left nine points, nine damn points. <laughs> We left those kind of points on the field to where we wouldn't even have to worry about uh, Lewis making that interception. We would have won the game anyways. Yeah, even uh, even if we got one of one those. Of <laughs> one of them. Exactly. One. But I'll say that. Ask it. Everybody goes, you know, what a should have come out. Yeah, but I'm not even asking for the farm, man. I'm asking for just one kick. Yeah. Personally, I think we should have had two of those. Of course. You know, two or three, you know, that's that's decent numbers in uh, Division uh, Division One college football, you know. Um, so that would have been six points. That would have put us at 20 points, a healthy lead, and that would have been the most points anyone had scored against Wisconsin. I'm not saying, oh, we, sh- we should have had nine more points. We left nine points on the field. No, you're going to miss some. You're going to miss some. So I personally, I think two of those should have been made, uh, especially that 31-yarder, oh, my oh. word. <laughs> but then how bad do you feel for Trice having to come in first time to kick a field goal in this level of a game at this point in the game yeah, and you, it's forty yards out. Yeah, man, that talk about like being put under the gun. So my heart goes kind of uh, goes out to that kid. But yeah, this is just keeping it real. I agree with you. Some uh, Kenny Allen maybe should just focus on punting and maybe have somebody else focusing on field goals. I mean, it, it was great that he was able to do both before, but yeah. this game shows that he. That, yes. that is not the solution. But no. I'll even bring it up, too, and I think maybe I said it last time. It's like, why did we not kick field goals against Penn State? I understand with that, yeah. oh, cool, great, we get to complete some fourth downs. But with um, – did he miss some during Colorado? I can't remember. I thought he missed some during Colorado or something he did. like that. He did. So, so it's this like, isn't the one-time thing. No, 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 no. This is one of the things where some people said, hey, you know what? He just had a bad day. No, he did this against Colorado. He missed like one or two during that game too that we should have more points and we had left those on the field. So this is reoccurring. But you're absolutely right. Now that I'm looking back at this, uh, Caleb, and you mentioned this, you just like sparked something in me where I went, you know what? That is exactly why there might be t- reasons why Harbaugh was going forward on fourth down at the goal line or whatever, and he's or he's going forward on fourth down 
fourth and two, fourth and one, because I don't not exactly sure that he believes his kickers can kick, man. And now this is really concerning to me. Yeah, but in a game like Penn State, though, when you're up as much as you are, give your give kicker kickers, a chance. Right. Yeah. Just you, you're going to kill us, so you might as well just give him a chance, give him some playing time, give him some whatever. But this is Allen here. This guy's seasoned. Kick, yeah, and this isn't like some new kid like Tice comes in, and you know I I understand it, but then obviously there's people, you know, are like where's Norton, you know, our red shirt, uh, you know, five star, four star um, kicker from who's gonna go to Penn State, and we took him from Penn State to come to Michigan, and they're like where's he at? And I'm like, well, I think he's banged up, but yeah, he, he said. Yeah, damn, man, you know, burn that red shirt and get him on the field. I don't know, but it seemed to me it really felt like someone goes, what the hell's going on with our kickers, Craig? I go, I, it seems like they're not even at practice. Yeah. It no. really feels like they're not even practice. Like they show up at the game, they're at home, and they're on the couch, and then they go, oh, shoot, I got game time. I got to go. And then they show up and they kick. And I'm like, it's weird. It's, I, I can't describe it. I don't know what's going on. I just know that something's wrong. Yeah, I I don't know either. It was, and you bring up great points on maybe Kenny Allen was hurt, tweaked, or Harbaugh didn't have faith in him. See, like this is this is where, uh, for anybody who thinks that it's just uh, all support for the home team and everything, this is where I differ from what the coaching staff did on saying put a kicker out there and kick some field goals. Even if you put Trice out there last week against right. Penn State to right. kick some field goals, somebody needs to kick some field goals because we saw some some issues in the Colorado game. Yeah. But they didn't do that, which doesn't make sense to me, but that's what they went with. And then we lost some key field goals in this game that could have given us that extra buffer. But this presents the problem moving forward where this has to be fixed. Otherwise we will be losing some games. Yeah. How many times did, when we missed the one kick, uh, one field goal, did how many Michigan fans in that, uh, in the stands and on TV said, this is going to come back to bite us. And then when they he missed another one, we went, seriously, I don't think we're going to win this game now. I mean, anytime I see a missed field goal, I always feel like that field goal means all the difference to me. I don't know what it is. You know, obviously it, it matters in games. And, you know, it's funny when you watch game, all the other games being played and then you watch that North Carolina kicker who the first time kicks a 54-yarder to win for North Carolina. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. And we can't kick that, what, 31-yard, you said? And it's yeah. just unbelievable that, you know, where are these guys even kickers? I'm not exactly sure, you know, what are they doing? I'm not sure how they're practicing or what's going on. It's just a concern and i'm wondering if jim harbaugh knows that well it's something that everybody's gonna be watching that's for sure so yeah wow it, it, it'll be kind of interesting i hope that they put kenny allen just at uh the punts and everything and hopefully maybe heck even if it's trice you know just kenny allen's not working out and he's better at punting so just give him one job you know the best tweet i saw or the best one made me laugh i loved it they said all right we got uh jabril pepper is going to be kicking now <laughs> yeah i saw that <laughs> it's what yeah he might have to do it all man he might have to run the ball <laughs> he might have to do it all but uh like yeah it, it, it's such a concern and you know i will it'll be interesting to see what happens at this Rutgers game so coming up yeah 
Yep. So, well, that was the uh, good, the bad, and then we ended off with the uh, very, very ugly. Yeah. Ugly. Ugly. Um, so let us then, before we close things out, make sure to cover the scores for the conference then. So as we said, number four, Michigan, played number eight, Wisconsin. Final score was 14-7. But then other scores in the conference, number two, Ohio, played uh, banged up Rutgers team at home and they shut them out 58 to zero a surprising final score of 38 31 Northwestern beat Iowa so apparently uh. I was not looking to be the opponent that we thought them to be at the beginning of the season uh, good job Iowa giving Ference that great big extension by the way um <laughs> A large margin of victory. Uh, Maryland hosted Purdue and they beat them fifty to seven. That was my lock game. So yeah, good job. Rock on that. Then a tight battle that ended in overtime. Penn State beat Minnesota at home twenty nine to twenty six. That's surprising. Yeah, and Minnesota battled them out, but we'll kind of have to see how those two teams work moving forward. Illinois kept a close one with Nebraska in the first half, but uh, Nebraska pulled away in the second, winning 31-16. to That's uh, number 15, Nebraska. And then number 17, Michigan State, went on the road for a night game at Indiana and lost in overtime 24-21. to Yep. Wow. And a couple penalties hurt them, and... Wow, what a game, man. And uh, obviously, you know, they got some uh, issues because Malik McDowell's out for half the game next game, so coming up, so because of targeting. But, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, Michigan State, join the club, man. Michigan was been there last year. We got so many targeting calls. <laughs> so don't throw a hissy fit because we went through the same thing. So. Yeah. Yep. And I'll admit, like, I uh, went to bed a little bit happier that night. That was uh, <laughs> that was uh, interesting to see that score pop up on the scoreboard before I went to went to bed there. But Indiana, you know, I mean, they they find a way to hang around. They're yep. actually two and zero in conference right now. Yeah. They took it to Michigan State last year. They took it to Ohio State. They took us in overtime last year. They know how to compete. They just haven't been able to finish. So they're playing Ohio State coming up, and that will be kind of interesting to see if they carry this fire that they've found into Columbus and if they can do anything with that. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah, that'll be really nice to see if they can do anything. So, um, yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting because now you got Nebraska, and I still have uh, Wisconsin up there in the west. Um, doing pretty well. So, yeah, Nebraska doing very well as a team. So, yeah, and Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin's just a very good team. They're still good. There's no, I mean, they've got tough sleds, but I mean, they're they're handling their business. They're a very good team, and man, they're better than I thought they were. So, yeah, we will be uh, watching what goes on in the West moving forward. Uh, more conference games coming up. So we will. Uh transition here and we will close things out with a few comments
Okay, well, I mean, that was huge. You know, top 10 win for the program again. Been a long time for that. Mm-hmm. Rich and, in the area. Yeah, Rich Rod had one good thing, I guess, on his resume when he was at Michigan with one top 10 win. But 2008, too- man. It's been too long. It's been a huh. mess, man. No kidding. Jeez. It's just so. Good things to take away from the game. Some rough things to take away, but it was another win. We've got some weeks to work on some things. Got a road game coming up that we'll check out um, and that we'll be doing the preview episode with here uh, later this week. Yeah, just trucking along through the season, and we appreciate everybody tuning in. Don't forget to check out our website, bluebrothersportscast.com. We're on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Facebook. Uh, If you don't know about our Facebook group, it's the Blue Network, Everything Michigan Football. Uh, So go and check it out, and uh, there'll be a new caption competition coming out this week so don't miss that as well yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun we got man we just keep getting more and more people into our group and networking and doing well and you know and the thing is we're you know this our show is growing you know quite quickly and you know obviously because of the season and the football season and things like that but you know and the fans telling other people and networking that way but man we just really really appreciate everything you guys are doing and some of the fans really going out of their way to uh promote us and you know we're just in debt to them and we appreciate that so much so yeah definitely seeing things come a long way and we're looking forward to getting back to a few of the home games here after the kind of break here in the middle first row game and then we got by week and everything so we'll be back at the big house sometime we appreciate all the listeners And we hope that you guys had a good weekend, a good start to the week, and uh, everything goes well for the rest of the work week until uh, the long wait for another football Saturday. But it will be coming. Don't worry. Not too long. Yeah, night game. Yes. This is a late game. I know Michigan, we're not used to it, but 7 o'clock, I've heard it starts at 7, so... Yeah, that's actually going to be good for me, I think. I think yeah. it works better yeah, it might for me. Work. <laughs> it might work for people now. You can actually enjoy your day, go do something, work on the yard, hang out, instead of you know worrying about the the game. So go do something. So Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we hope that you have a good rest of the week, and uh, we'll finish things off with a uh, Go Blue. Go Blue.